0: So today, as you've probably noticed, the youth who are presently in youth or people that have recently entered young adults or some people even that serve as youth leaders like Catherine and Chloe are both youth leaders. And even in our pre-service show, we had Isaiah as one of our youth leaders out there too. They've all been leading. And there's also been a couple of other faces who are still trying to regain some of their lost youth, the drummer and electric guitar guy up here, and then me and Pastor Mark, of course. Right? And so that's been leading us so far today. So I felt it was fitting for this service to focus on exactly what we've been seeing, leading well, and looking at a typical passage for when we want to focus on youth, which is found in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. If you want to feel free to open your Bible up or your Bible app on your phone, you can do that. This is what it says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Now, this verse is fairly well known, even outside of the church. But the main point of today, as sometimes can be seen, is not to beat down on experienced leaders and defend the youth, but rather it will be to try to reveal a theme of leading that is throughout the biblical narrative and that will expand the word leader to all of you disciples that are here today. But I do want to spend some time first at the beginning of today, digging into 1 Timothy 4 a little bit to recognize some of the leadership things that are contained in Timothy's life. Now, context is always key when understanding any verse in the direct context of the verse today is found in verses 11 through 16. It's probably like a good paragraph in your Bible break there. And as we will get to see actually over the next few months throughout the summer, our summer sermon series entitled Misquoted, there are a lot of verses that often get misquoted and pulled out of their context to try to make them mean something different than what they were initially intended to do. So today we don't want to do that, so here's some context. We're going to read 1 Timothy 11 through 16 now. Chapter 4 verses 11 through 16. keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So the first thing I want us to see here is the confidence of Paul in the gifts of Timothy. Found in verse 11, right off the bat, first word he says is command and teach these things. What are these things that he's supposed to teach? Thanks for giving me Great detailed instructions, Paul. So Timothy, you know, it's not entirely clear. Scholars discuss it. Verse 10 says, for to this end we toil and strive because for, because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially to those who believe. Some think that that is these things in here, but what is probably more likely is that these things is actually the entirety of the letter here to Timothy so that he can teach the church in Ephesus these things. So, that's these things, but then the word command, that's where the confidence of Paul comes in. Because it's an interesting word that sometimes is translated as give orders, exhort, or even like cheer on. So more of like an encouraging thing. But since Paul uses these things here, the best translation is to command. This allows us as readers to realize something about Paul here. And that is that he has full belief in Timothy and the ability he has been given to actually do what Paul is telling him to do. To use such strong language when instructing Timothy is a big proclamation for Paul in support of Timothy's leading. Not only for Timothy as he's going to read this letter, but also for those around him who would have read or heard this letter, and also for us today, centuries removed from its context. The second thing to note in the context here is that this is not a place where Timothy is being open-endedly thrown to the wolves as a young leader, so to speak. Verse 13, if you look at that, outlines that this is for a time and that Paul is coming back to be able to support him even more as he leads, kind of co-lead with him. The third thing to note in the context here today is that Part of this leading Timothy is to provide is not only for the teaching of those around him, but also for his own development as a leader as well, his growth. If we think we have it all together before we can lead, we are often wrong. That's not the qualification for a leader. That's often one of the biggest reasons those who are ready to lead don't, because they feel ill-equipped or not perfect enough. That's actually stopped me from doing a few things before, too. When the reality, though, is simply that they needed the encouragement, the confidence that Paul exuded in Timothy, the support and the space to grow as a leader as well. Similar to what Paul outlined here for Timothy in the context. One quick story from my own development, though, um, that ties directly into this area of growth in front of others. So... This is a tiny confession. I have often felt that my skills in the administrative side of things, Mark can attest to this, are in the category of satisfactory on a report card. But there's always room for improvement and growth. So I had planned a youth event at a previous church and we went to a local park and we were going to play some games and then end around a bonfire with some snacks in a short devotional. Seems like a pretty simple event, correct? Correct, they all said correct online. And so, not too many little details to mess up on. Well, I bottled the needed supplies, played the games, had some fun, came time to make the snacks and the kids loved, loved, they loved making the snacks. And they were super excited, they're banana boats. This is a pretty regular thing that I reuse. So if you don't know what that is, you basically take a banana, you slice it down the middle, you leave it in, it's peeling, and then you stuff it full of marshmallows, candies, basically whatever kind of sugary thing you want. You can try a healthy option in there, but it's probably not going to work out so well. So usually marshmallows and candies and stuff. Sugar on sugar on sugar and a bit of fruit. Wrap it up in some tin foil and then throw it on the fire and let it cook. Once they were all cooked up, one of the other leaders just kind of casually leans over and says, so what are we going to eat these banana boats with? Oops. Um, I forgot the utensils. This, was actually, this actually came up this morning on my drive-in. This is not in my script. This actually came up on the drive-in. Jacqueline, my wife, said, did you pack the forks for the salad? It's like, of course I did. I never forget utensils. This is actually in my sermon. So anyway, that's just an off-the-cuff story that came up. This comes up in my day-to-day life. This is real stuff. And so, well, I guess what I had to do in that situation when I forgot the utensils was sell it as more of a rustic event. Now, you know, eat with your hands kind of deal. What I should have done, though, you know, what I, wisdom growing as a leader is create an eating challenge and get the youth to see how much they could have eaten with their hands tied behind their back and see how much they could have eaten and not got on their face. Would have been hilarious for me, but hindsight's 2020. Didn't end up doing that. Now I share that simple story, one because it's a simple story, and you can kind of relate to forgetting the utensils, probably. But ever since then, I've been able to remember those little details in future events. Most of the time, nobody's perfect. Sometimes you put a fork instead of a spoon. But if the leader that was above me in that situation had not encouraged me to actually plan that event, had not allowed me to grow and take charge of the event, and then to realize that I had actually forgotten something and point it out for me, I likely would not have remembered that moment to this point, that it actually would have affected how I plan and run events now. I was in a place where I was able to grow in front of others. So, from Timothy, we see someone who's leading from his God-given gifts. He was given a bold task and encouragement from his leader, and then reassurance that he was not alone in this task, and that God had given him the gifts to use, and then encouragement to be able to grow and still be a leader at the same time. Straightforward. So, stay with me here for a little bit, as today I want to give a quick overview, as I mentioned some of the people who have led in the Bible as a whole. So leadership that goes beyond understanding, similar to Timothy here, is everywhere. We just covered Timothy, and there are some leaders who are in a position of leading that may seem ill equipped if you were to read the entirety of the Bible to be doing what they were doing. So here's some examples. I'll kind of move through these fairly quickly, but there's a lot of them. So I want you to kind of try to pick up on a theme. We have Noah, who's given a huge task of making sure humankind is preserved. We have stories initially of Moses, the reluctant leader, the guy who's not too confident in his ability to public speak. God provides Aaron. Woohoo! helper, co-leader. We have Saul, this great king who eventually ends up being a pretty negative leader in the end. We have Jonathan, Saul's son, arguably David's best friend, a leader but doesn't take on the throne. We have David, who is called a man after God's own heart. That's a name that pretty much everybody knows but mostly for a stone and a sling. Yet David was the youngest in his family, anointed king at a very young age and David was also, though, very flawed in the pursuit of his own personal desires in his life. We have Job, who's a leader throughout struggles. And then we have a bunch of kings listed in first and second kings. Those are typically the books that if you're doing a year through the Bible, you're like, can I get through this, please? Um, And so, but there's some good information there. You have King Jehu, a king in Israel who did a lot of good, but not all good. You have King Jehoash, who reigned in Judah, He began to reign at age seven. Did right in the eyes of the Lord, says the text. You have Amaziah, who reigned in Judah as well. He began to reign at 25. He did right in the eyes of the Lord. You have Azariah, who also reigned in Judah. 16, when he began to reign, did right in the eyes of the Lord. Hezekiah reigned in Judah as well. 25, when he began to reign, father before him was doing evil in the sight of the Lord. So not a great mentorship process for him, yet Hezekiah does right in the eyes of the Lord. Josiah reigns in Judah. He starts at eight years old. He had two kings before him that were doing evil in the eyes of the Lord, yet he causes amazing reform and does right in the eyes of God. We have the leadership of Rahab who helped the spy survive. We have Ruth, as she advocates for the well-being of the others from a position of weakness in society herself. We have Daniel and his compadres, the unlikely leaders in exile. We have John the Baptist, who from my personal opinion was probably the very first hipster leader in the Bible. We have the fishermen, tax collectors, zealots, thieves, and others as great leaders, also known as the 12 disciples. We have Mary, who when focused at the feet of Jesus, was called out by her sister, and then defended by Jesus. We have Phoebe, a great leader referenced in the book of Romans. And we have Saul, better known as Paul, great persecutor of the early church, turned apostle of God. These are many, these and many other examples in the Bible of leaders that can provide a theme for us here today of how God uses people to lead. Now, some of you are probably at that point where you're like, thanks for the quick informational history lesson, but isn't that just some fairly general overview and you kind of picked the people that did right in the eyes of the Lord? I thought the point of today was to reveal a theme and be good with context that was leading of leading in the biblical narrative. These people are all over the place. Well, part of the theme we are highlighting here today is that these leaders were used by God, whether they were young inexperienced. Part of the theme that we are also trying to recognize today is that God used leaders with tons of experience as well. Part of the theme that we are trying to see today in the text is that God used leaders with great pedigrees, great mentorship. Part of the theme for today is that God used leaders that didn't come from great mentorship either. Part of the theme for today is that God used outcasts to lead God's people as well, So that's a lot of parts, and there are a lot more parts that you could dissect in the leaders' lives today. So what's the actual theme we're trying to get at then? If you're just going to give us a bunch of parts, are you never going to wrap it up and we're going to be here forever? Well, no, that's not what it is, but you may have picked up on a couple words that were used in every one of those parts. The theme is that God uses all his people to lead. The phrase God uses or God used was in each one of those previous parts that's the main key point that god uses his disciples as leaders this does not mean that all people are going to become pastors but it can this does not mean that everyone will be a ceo now in order to lead but it can this does not mean that you need to be royalty to lead like the list of kings either this does not mean that we all need to become overseas missionaries in order to lead as disciples but it can But what this does mean is that God has chosen all of us to lead in one way or another in the lives of those we interact with. All the listed biblical characters are people that God used regardless of age, regardless of history, and regardless of any other category. Some of you may be thinking, well, I can see what you're saying, but like, I'm only 12. Well, I listed two people that were younger than that, so that is kinda gone now. Or perhaps you're thinking, like, I'm 80, and I've always been seen as a person who's, you know, kind of like the the behind-the-scenes person, doesn't need to be up there. And so I would classify myself more as like a follower. Or maybe you're somewhere in between those two things, and you just feel ill-equipped. But for all the leaders, whether Timothy, Paul, the Old Testament kings, Mary, Rahab, Phoebe, you, me, there's one category that when God is going to use us, we are all going to end up falling into that makes us lead. We are all disciples of Christ. And that means that we are all called to lead. And we do that not through our own strength, but through God's forming power in our lives. This is where the shift comes from what the world sees as a typical leader, where terms and sayings to, that proclaim a self-made leader are common, where leading is about being the one who gets the credit, where you need to be the best in order to get a chance to lead. you got to have the sea on your chest as a captain to lead. Where leading is seen as a trait that is simply contained inside of you. But what the biblical narrative continually points to as a leader is different. It is where the unusual is being used through God's power. It's where the social outcast is being used through God's power. It is where The one who's reluctant to lead is the one who's used through God's power. The forming of our lives as disciples of Jesus more and more each day is the exact process of becoming a God-made leader in our day-to-day lives. We are called in Matthew to go and make disciples of all nations. This is a call to lead people, to lead people to Jesus. The way that we do this is through the model Jesus gave us, the model of his life. The Gospels are a great place to find these things. The Sermon on the Mount is full of ways to lead as Jesus did. Jesus is the model of a God-made leader for us, doing everything Jesus has commanded us, knowing that he is with us always, knowing that he is the reason we lead, knowing that he is the point Lead to. We are all leaders each and every day as we are more and more a disciple of Christ living authentically in the world. We have practiced a lot of things this morning that will allow us to grow and grow to those authentic disciples who lead through God's power. We praised God, we prayed with God, we sat silently before Him, we listened to God, we gave to God, we're digging into the Word of God. We've been encouraged by other believers all around us. We're possibly even practicing our Sabbath as we sit here right now. Those are always to be more and more God made disciples who lead by authentically living in the world. That's how you do it. That's how you lead. This is what the theme of leading in the biblical narrative truly is. Those we truly recognize as people who have led us in our lives, those that we call great leaders, are more than often not those people that are outlined by the world as leaders. But typically, they are those who are simply living out the grace, truth, and love of Jesus, which helped lead us and helped lead others to experience new life with Jesus. I know in my own life, the list of leaders that I look to who have influenced me on earth don't fit the mold of self-made leader But they do fit the mold of a disciple who leads by authentically living in the world. They fit the mold of people willing to take their God-given abilities that can only be attributed to God and use them and grow them in the view of others as they encourage and are encouraged by those they interact with on a daily basis. That description right there is what Paul reveals to Timothy in our text today. So that Timothy can go and do that for others in the church in Ephesus. So that they can see a God-made leader, not one that is self-made, but one that is God-made. I want to share one more story with you today. One final story of where someone was able to see a God-made disciple lead in their life, causing them to then lead that way in theirs. So a group of people traveled to another country on a mission trip. The group did some work with the local people there, and then one of the days that the group was there, they traveled to a local school area. They were visiting some of the families that were actually being sponsored through their church. While they were visiting, they stood and listened as the people spoke to them and their interpreter translated for them, and it was a great experience to see and hear directly from those people. During that time, that group was served some juice. It's a pretty hot place. Usually, as Canadians, when you go on mission trips, you want to go somewhere warm, and so you go down there. Then the group left, and a little while later, the interpreter shared with the group that the family that they had just visited had just spent a week's worth of money for food on the drinks that they were offered the interpreters shared that they wanted to host the group well and bless them as much as they could to the point that they were willing to give up food for a week. This story is a story of a regular person being a God-made disciple leading in those people's lives. The people in that story have been changed forever. Their view of sacrificial giving hasn't changed since being experienced that. This is just one of the stories of a God-made leader who fit the biblical mold, but not the self-made mold in the world. So this week, think about who the leaders are in your life, all around you, and are they God-made or are they self-made? And also think about those you may be leading and not even recognizing, those that you just stand beside in a grocery line Do they see somebody who's leading as a God-made disciple authentically in the world or are they a self-made leader? Ponder those questions. Pray with me. God, we thank you for being a God who came down, stood among us, and equipped us with all that we need to be God-made disciples who lead by authentically living in the world. God, help us to f- follow you, just follow you with all of our heart, with all that we have, so that those around us truly do see someone who's different. Not just the cliche statement that I, that I live in the world and people will see Jesus through me, but we actually live that out. God, I pray that more for me than anyone else. But I also pray for everyone else too. Help us to take you serious and truly live out your commands so that your light does shine through us so that they can see your glory and praise you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.